first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Well, I'm sure everybody's heard by now. Henry Kissinger, who uh, spent time as National Security Advisor and Secretary of State, passed away last night at the age of 100. And obviously, Renee, Henry Kissinger was a little bit before my time. He was a little bit before your time. But I remember him being one of the first polarizing figures that I was aware of as a kid, because when people would talk about Henry Kissinger when I was a child, I wasn't sure if Henry Kissinger was a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, same here. Uh, But man, did he do a lot during his time here on this rock. Well, and just to uh, further illustrate my point about I don't know if he's a I didn't know if he was a good guy or bad guy growing up. Uh, I just kind of Googled Henry Kissinger just to read the headlines. CNBC, Henry Kissinger, the towering American diplomat, dies at age 100. Reuters, Henry Kissinger, American diplomat and Nobel winner, dead at 100. Rolling Stone, Henry Kissinger, war criminal, beloved by America's ruling class, finally dies. I saw that. I went, ouch. (laughs) And this... I've never heard of The Intercept, but Henry Kissinger, top U.S. diplomat respond, responsible for millions of death, dies at 100. And, uh, and, and, and so that if, if talk radio was around back during the Nixon administration, it would have been very interesting to go back and listen to the conversations about him. You're, you're talking about his accomplishments, Renee. Um, he was in power one capacity or another through the Vietnam War, start of the Cold War and Watergate. Uh, he was born in Germany. His family fled to get away from the Nazis, and he returned as a soldier back in uh, World War II. Shuttle diplomacy, kind of what Anthony Blinken has been doing in the Middle East, where you travel around and, and try to reach diplomatic deals. Um, I guess that he was the one who originated that. He helped broker the end of the Yom Kippur War, built relations with with China. Um, He tried brokering a peace deal with the North Vietnamese to end the Vietnam War. That earned him the Nobel Peace Prize. That ended up going sideways. And, of course, his secret bombing campaign of Cambodia, which is where uh, the war criminal um, accusations come into play. But his counsel was still sought up to the Obama administration. So um, quite a uh, quite an accomplished and controversial life. Uh, I'm going to dive a little deeper into this one on my own free time. The Washington Post, it says the surprising dating life of Henry Kissinger, <laughs> a West Wing playboy. Uh, they said Henry Kissinger was about to get lucky with Zsa Zsa Gabor, and wow. it was due in part to Richard Nixon setting them up. Seriously. Well, I mean, Kissinger wasn't necessarily a handsome fellow, so I guess it just goes to show you the aphrodisiac that power can be. I guess. Wow. So uh, definitely an interesting life that he lived. All hundred years of it. (laughs) I don't Kissinger and tell. Kissinger after dark. Oh, Mike. You should launch that podcast. (laughs) The secret sexy dating life of Henry Kissinger. Oh, boy. I don't know how many subscribers that one of them. <laughs> There I was with Ethel Merman seducing me backstage. Oh, my God. At Madison Square Garden. Wow. Boy. Wow, that's salacious. Uh, our boy is back, Renee. And I got to say, I've missed him a little bit. Do you know who I'm talking about? You've got to be talking about Sean Fain. 
That's right. Yeah, Less than a month after winning record label contracts uh, for their members with the big three, the UAW is starting their massive organization campaign at over a dozen non-union automakers. And he launched this where else via video on social media. And, and uh, I, he made it clear that the UAW was coming for the foreign automakers. I thought they would wait a little bit. I thought maybe they might celebrate throughout the holidays, but they're, they're getting right back at it. Oh, come on now. Sean Fain, wait on anything. I guess you got to strike while the iron's hot, right? right? Um, a UAW flyer obtained by the Detroit Free Press lays out the unionization process. So um, once 30% of workers at a plant sign union cards on the UAW's website, a committee of plant auto workers, they'll go public to say the facility is working towards unionization. Once half the workforce signs the cards, a public rally with UAW President Sean Fain and other leaders will be held to demonstrate support for union representation. And then after 70% of the workforce has signed the cards, an organizing committee made up of plant workers demands that the company recognize the union. If it does not, the UAW files cards with the National Labor Relations Boards and takes it to a plant vote. So, um, yeah, like I said, I mean... It seemed like the UAW moved mountains and the UAW did things we thought were impossible with their negotiations with the big three. Uh, So I don't know if he'll get, I think it's 13 plants uh, or 13 auto uh, companies like Honda, Toyota, Tesla. And I I can't, I can't name more than that, but uh, I don't necessarily think they need to get all 13 automakers to, unionize to make a huge impact and i think they'll they'll get a pretty decent amount you had to know this was coming yeah and and like i said the only surprise to me was how fast um they turned around and and started working on this i thought they'd wait till at least january we're in the moment come on yeah i mean when you're hot you're hot right the chance may never come again right and uh let's be honest the news cycle is so much more interesting with sean fain it is it It really is i was missing him (laughs) (laughs) i I gotta tell you once these ratification deals were were reached or these tentative uh agreements Agreements. were reached i said to myself oh what the hell are we going to talk about now (laughs) yeah so maybe we could uh, break down our top five favorite Sean Fain live stream video outfits or something. <laughs> uh, GM is actually coming out and, and saying that the new contract will cost them about $1.1 billion in operating profits. Um, and they say that they'll find other places to cut to make up for the shortfalls. Mary Barra, she said that the average vehicle cost will go up about $570 per car over the life of this contract which is a bit less than the 800 originally expected. Uh, but but again, my question is, the price of a car is going up $570 uh, because of, of labor costs. It, it went up way more than that with inflation. And now that we've got people walking around with tens of thousands of dollars uh, in their pockets that they didn't have before, that $570 per car kind of gets canceled out. And I think, I think it's a net benefit for the economy. I guess we'll have to see. Right. Um, And Ford's doing something cool over by the old train station. Yeah. The country's 
first wireless charging road that will energize electric vehicles without stopping has opened in Detroit. Uh, the inductive charging road spans a quarter mile on 14th Street. It's near Michigan Central and the city's mobility district. So right there in Corktown, the officials overseeing the project called it the future of roads. Specialized coils were laid down beneath the asphalt of the street that can charge vehicles as they travel over it. It's the latest example of driving technology that officials had hoped would be created out of Michigan Central's mobility district. Bettison, speaking inside of Michigan Central, said that the city was in competition with the rest of the world to keep up with the growing electrification of vehicles. So while 14th Street is the first paved road that can charge a road, uh, charge a, a car. It's only a precursor to plans for lane coils along Michigan Avenue. So marking this initial step of this project with the next one being Michigan Avenue, they said that we can begin today to pave a path for a sustainable electrical mobility future of tomorrow. Yeah, and I guess it's not necessarily a Ford project. I think I just assume that because they've... It's they, in uh, that area are, over by the yeah. train depot, which, you know, yeah. kind of like Ford Town over there. Yeah, and I think that's where I got confused. But, I, I mean, this is really cool. And I was watching Will Jones on Local 4 last night, and he answered my two biggest questions. Um, number one, can you walk on this road without being electrocuted? Yes, Will Jones was walking <laughs> on this road. Feel a little jolt while you're going for a jog? <laughs> well, that's my first because well, – yeah, right, exactly, because – Essentially what this is, is like you said, there's coils underneath the concrete and then there's these little like discs um, in the road. Right. And then these cars, they have some kind of receptor that uh, these discs send electricity up to that receptor. And that's how, uh, you know, that's how they get a charge. So I was like, okay, is like lightning just going to be shooting up from the road? And uh, I don't know exactly what happens, but Will Jones survived and he didn't even look like he got a static shock. And number two, um, what happens in the snow? And again, I don't know what happens in the snow, but that was his first question. And uh, they said the snow will have absolutely no um, effect. That's a great question. Yeah. Here's my question, though. You know, we are like the pothole capital of the world, right? Also valid. What if there's a pothole you know, right on top of one of these receptors. Does the receptor not work? Does right. That lead Is it to exposed? A, right. That, does that lead to a shocking uh, elect, electrocution risk or hazard? Probably not. But, uh, you know, I'm a, when it comes to, um, you know, all this new technology, I'm kind of a scared little villager here. I uh, I, I think of uh, what ways this new technology can can hurt me instead of help me. No, and I think that's the biggest concern. One of the biggest concerns with these electrical vehicles is, you know, you know, you throw gas in your car and you're on your merry way. Nobody wants to stop on a road trip to charge their vehicle for however long, you know, but if you're continuously able to charge your vehicle while you're driving, you know. Well, yeah. And that's a great point. I mean, um, news has been coming out this week that GM it might be walking back their electric vehicle strategy and going uh, you know leading them a little bit more into hybrids as as a bridge between internal combustion engines and electronic vehicles um, this could go this could go a long way to solving range anxiety which I think it besides the price is one of the big obstacles to people 
buying electric vehicles. If if you don't have to stop and charge right. all the time and you can drive over some of these, especially if they made like interstates, big stretches of interstates sure. uh, chargeable, I think that that would go a long way. Like 75? More... Yeah. Maybe right. we should have looked up... at that instead of a carpool lane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? You know. Yeah, just, uh, you know, once you get past uh, uh, Frankenmuth and Birch Run, yeah. give us uh, 50 miles of chargeable road. And right. I think that would go a long way towards solving range anxiety. All right. Uh, is first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. We'll be right back. Well, Renee, not every anniversary is a happy anniversary. And today, uh, those of us who live here in the Metro Detroit area remember two years ago, 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, 16-year-old Tate Meir, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, and 17-year-old Justin Schilling. They were killed when a 15-year-old gunman opened fire inside Oxford High School, injuring seven others. And, uh, you know, when when we hear about these school shootings on the news, it always felt like it was something that happened far away. It was all it always felt like something that ha- happened somewhere else until it, it until it wasn't yeah you know unfortunately uh it was hard to believe that this was now our reality uh we we hear these stories and we go wow that's tragic that's sad and then it was in our backyard yeah and i remember um you know there there's always these these big news stories that we remember exactly where we were when they happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was at the station, obviously Um, I was working uh, guys afternoon show. And I remember Marie Osborne, she called me or text me and said, Hey, there's a situation going on at Oxford high school. So I flipped it on channel four. And obviously with a situation like this, it, it was very slow moving um, at least when it came to facts coming out. And at first it it, it seemed, and you kind of rationalized with yourself, oh, okay, well, it's, it's probably just some stupid kid who brought a gun to school and, and he got busted and he's going to get suspended. Um, and then you hear shots were fired, but you didn't hear any reports of any deaths or injuries. So you you say to yourself, oh, well, ho- it seems like maybe they, they headed this situation off before it started. And yeah. unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Although Mike Bouchard and the Oakland County Sheriff's Department acted quickly and they saved countless of other uh, countless amounts of, of other lives that day, I have no doubt. Unfortunately, when somebody has a high powered weapon like the shooter did, they could do a lot of damage in a number of minutes. And, um, you know, the it, 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 it definitely set us on a path that we've been covering very closely over the past two years. And, you know, lots lots of stuff has, has come out after it. The Guidepost Solutions report showing just how preventable this was. And the other night, uh, there is another contentious school board meeting where survivors and, and victims' families were calling for the resignation of board members. And uh, today there will be a gathering in Oxford High School and tomorrow for Oxford Remembrance Day. So uh, just wanted to um, acknowledge this somber anniversary because, um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to reiterate the names of the l- young lives we lost that day 
and I'm 100% on board with the notion of using the shooter's name as sparingly as possible. Same here. And, um, you know, they have events and activities that are going to take place at uh, the All for Oxford Resiliency Center, uh, including walk-ins, therapy dogs, emotional support, and counselors. And anyone uh, can take advantage of those services. And they can go to visit allforoxford.org slash events. And we've said it before on the show, Renee, that the students who have carried on since this tragedy um, are they're amazing. And we can't be any more impressed with them from their courage to speak out to just the courage to carry on and and return to a normal life after such a tragic event that, um, you know, we talk about the child hostages in Israel, how that's something that no one should have to go through, let alone children. Same goes with a with a mass shooting. It's something no one should ever go no. through, let alone teenagers. And, you know, just 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 the the simple act of returning to school and getting your life together and graduating, despite having gone through this, are acts of courage and bravery with in, in and of themselves. And, and I think that we cannot praise the um, kids who are speaking up or just going on about their everyday lives and, and trying to move on and have a normal life. We can't, we can't praise the kids in, in the Oxford school district enough. And then think of some of those students that went on to Michigan state Ugh. and unfortunately had to deal with lightning striking twice. Yep. And I remember, yep. And I remember when that was big story in the news um, after it, it turned out that there were some kids uh, who had to live through the Oxford High School shooting and the Michigan State shooting. It which, has to stop. Yeah. And there was a kid who was interviewed on the news, and they say, we should not have mass shooting veterans. No. <laughs> that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch because th- this was a college kid, right? I mean, this is a kid who's 20 years younger than us. We look at him. We see we see our own kids. We see our own little brothers and sisters and, and nieces and nephews. So. There should be no such thing as a school shooting veteran. Yes. And, and and they said it so nonchalantly because obviously it's very factual. I mean, the, the fact that there are kids now who are living through two shootings in less than a two-year span. Right. Let alone one shooting ever. Uh, it is just absolutely ridiculous and tragic, and 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 we're failing our kids. I yep. mean, I that there's no there's no other way to say it. Um, so, 16 hostages have been released. One American, a 49 year old mother of three, um, have been they've been uh, released yesterday um, from Hamas captivity, um, and also two men were. Uh, released for the first time, which um, is significant because it's just been women and children. The temporary ceasefire looks like it's been extended for a day. Uh, Hamas says that it's willing to release all hostages if uh, Israel releases all their prisoners. Now, it wasn't a completely peaceful day. There was a terrorist attack by Palestinians at a bus stop in Tel Aviv. Um, They shot nine, killed three. But Nonetheless, the ceasefire is holding for another day, and uh, Hamas is claiming that a that that a family that has been on the news that people have been really pulling for, they are saying that they have been killed um, in a in, in a bombing by Israeli forces. The uh, Bebe- yeah, no, no, go, go ahead, ahead go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say the uh, the Bebas family. Um, 
Mother Cherie and those two uh, those two redheaded children, adorable redheaded children, uh, four year old Ariel, ten month old Kiefer. Um, Hamas says that they had been killed by Israeli forces. Israel uh, and the family are are working to um, verify that because there have been other hostages who have been presumed dead who have been released, and this could just be uh, a, another gambit in the propaganda war. Um, but I guess a little good news. Tuesday night, Hamas released a 17-year-old named Mia Leinberg and her dog, Bella. I don't know if you saw this. I saw this video. There is a, one, one of the hostages was released. She was carrying this adorable little fluffy white dog. Um, it, it turns out that they were both taken into captivity on October 7th together. And then they were released. And Mia's father actually searched for the dog in the aftermath of the attack, knowing Mia was taken, but not knowing what happened to the dog. He hoped to find that dog, Bella, to be a comfort to his other children. And uh, I mean, what an amazing, what an amazing young child uh, to have the presence of mind and the composure um, to to take care of a dog for I know, you know well that might have been what gave the gave him the strength to keep going yeah you're right exactly and um you know you're hopefully both the dog and Mia were uh were treated well in captivity but uh we, yeah so let's hope yeah ex- but uh they're back home and they're they're safe uh with their family all right, uh, it is First Thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. Still have a lot to get to, so uh, stick around. And at this time in the morning, we always like to bring in Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, Jamie Edmonds uh, to join Renee Vitale and I. And uh, how is everyone doing on their Christmas shopping so far? Uh, I same. Uh, <laughs> finally figured out what to get my wife, which is always the big dilemma. And so I'm, I'm well, I, I feel like I'm in a much better place. I do know well, what I'm going to get. My, I, I, now that part I do know. I figure that out first. But newlyweds, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my husband hasn't considered it yet. Yeah, still, yeah. still the honeymooner. <laughs> well, if uh, you haven't finished your Christmas shopping. Renee came across this uh, new strategy that if with a little patience, you might actually be able to save a little bit of money. And it's probably something we're already doing anyway. It's a bit of a hack. Yeah. So when you're shopping online, try adding something to your cart and just leaving it there. Don't buy it right away because there's uh, a chance that they probably have your email, whatever the site is that you're on. And most of the big shopping sites track abandoned orders now. The idea is that they'll see that you almost bought something. And if you wait a few days, they may try to close close the deal by sending you a discount code and they might offer you something like free shipping or maybe 15% off Hmm. and maybe more than that if it happens to be a product that they need to get rid of. The only real risk is leaving it in your cart too long. Don't wait to order a gift for someone. It might not ship in time for the holidays, but they'll go, no, 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 come on back. We'll give you a deal. Oh, if you, that's a really good tip. It is. I I have seen that at work. I've done it before. It works. Well, and I'm always getting emails, too, saying, you left something in your cart. You left something in your cart. Uh, honey, I know it's February. Uh, <laughs> as long as it's not my child, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a great deal on it, and this could double as a Valentine's Day present as well. And, and a lot of people do this kind of as a, as a, as 
a, a form of retail therapy. Don't a lot of people, they, they like to go through the motions of putting things into their shopping cart without actually buying stuff. I, yeah. I hear a lot of people well, do that for fun. Well, and this is my question. Let's, let's just say, suppose there were, you know, two items left and you got one, put it in your cart, but you haven't bought it. So if somebody else comes along and needs, is that is that item removed from being sold because it's in your cart, or can they no, say no? Because I, I think time expires. Okay, on them holding it for you. Gotcha. Right. It's not until you click proceed, yeah, and buy it, mm-hmm. then it oh. comes off the shelf. See, I would have guessed yes because it, you know it's just obviously there's a certain amount in the warehouse and it's first come first serve. But uh, yeah, do, so I guess they actually do. If it's in your cart, they will reserve it for you. For it's no different uh, than you and me at Kroger when I come up yeah. to you to say, "Are you going to use? Are you going to buy that? <laughs> no. You're going to eat this? Yet. One. I don't know. You, uh, right. you, you can drink that last orange juice. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'll help myself. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that so yeah. If you have uh, if you have the stomach to wait, uh, might be a good way to uh, save some money on some holiday presents. I I might experiment with it uh, a little later on in the year where there's uh, where the stakes are not quite as high. But like I said, I know a ton of people who 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 just have an Amazon cart full of stuff all year all year long. Maybe it might actually pay off for them. <laughs> Um, Sean Fain is back in the news and, uh, Renee and I are very happy because, uh, the news cycle is always much more entertaining with, <laughs> as Lloyd calls him, stone cold Sean Fain. In Absolutely. It. You know, how successful do we think he's going to be in getting a couple of foreign automakers to unionize? Well, we're going to tap into that with Merrick Masters, our, our professor from Wayne State. I got to tell you, I think he, he's going to he is going to make a really good effort. He's got a really good story to tell. Probably the best story that any uh, UAW president has had in the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. But what you don't yeah. understand is the geographic areas he's going into culturally are not pro union. They are not. That's right. So he's got a, he's got a real uphill battle, even though he's got a great story to tell. Yeah, and I, I mean at least here uh, domestically. Nine percent raise opposed to twenty five percent raise with the new contract. Get into all that and more. Jr. Morning coming up next. It's WJR. Another Democrat has come forward claiming that they were offered twenty million dollars to run against Rashida Tlaib. Last week it was Sen- Senate candidate Hill Harper, and this week it's fellow Senate candidate Nasser Baydoun who appeared on Jr. Afternoon with Chris Rundrick. Well, look, we know politics can be a particularly dirty place. And now not one, but two U.S. Senate candidates say that they have been given offers to abandon their campaigns vying for that position against uh, uh, to run for U.S. Senate here in the state of Michigan, but to instead run against Rashida Tlaib, who, of course, is the only Palestinian member of of the House and has been an outspoken critic of of Israel and has taken some, in in my view, different positions on this conflict between Hamas and Israel. First, it was Hill Harper saying that he received a $20 million basically buy if he would run against Rashida Tlaib instead of running for U.S. Senate. Now... Nasser Badoon, a civil rights advocate and businessman from Dearborn, who is also running for U.S. Senate, claims the same. And he joins us this afternoon on JR Afternoon. Nasser, good to have you. Yeah, how are you? 
I'm well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how all this came about. When, when did this $20 million offer come across your desk? Well, November 10th, uh, a mutual friend of mine set up a meeting with Lon Johnson, the former chair of the Democratic Party. And basically in that meeting, um, you know, Lon Johnson said that if I were to run against Rashida Tlaib, that, you know, there's that, you know, the pro-Israel group would, you know, pump probably about $20 million into a campaign, $10 million direct finance campaign contributions and 10 million in PAC money. And what was your reaction to that? It was kind of, uh, you know, shocked. And, you know, I, w- I wasn't even going to consider the offer because, first of all, Rashida's a good friend of mine. Second, she's doing a great job. And third, you know, it just shows showed me, just reinforced how corrupt politics is. And you know, for anybody with money, they think they can buy anybody in elected office. I mean, $20 million, that's a that's quite a, a deal. But but you didn't take it. You said you didn't consider taking it um, because of your friendship with, with Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman um, out of Detroit. But it, no, it, well, not, not only because of my friendship, but I know what that money was for. What was it for? Um, you know, basically, there's. You know, first of all, let's clear one thing. You weren't going to give me the money. Sure, sure. <laughs> Your campaign. You're going to campaign, sure. finance a campaign against Rashida. Uh, second of all, it basically serves a purpose to try and remove uh, anybody that's not 100% backing the pro-Israel agenda from the United States Congress. And APAC has already said that they are going to spend $100 million to remove uh, the squad, mm-hmm. which is made up of Arabs, Hispanic, African-American members of Congress that don't toe the line when it comes to Israel. And so, you know, basically what APEC is doing is they want to shut down any debate, anything that has to do with the state of Israel, anything it wants for Israel has to be unequivocal. And every member of the House and every member of the Senate has to vote the way they want them to vote. Mm. What is your stance on the conflict between Israel and Hamas? Well, first of all, I don't look at it as a conflict between Israel and Hamas. I look at it as an ongoing conflict that has been going on between Israel and the Palestinians. My view on it is that we have to resolve this issue. We have to, you know, basically find a solution and put this thing to bed. How big is is this becoming in your in your uh, campaign for for U.S. Senate here in the state of Michigan to take over, try to take over Debbie Stabenow's seat? Has this become issue number one in your mind? What 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 is the the pecking order? Do you believe? Well, currently, right now, my anti APEC approach has been number one in my campaign, and you know I'm not. It's not anti-Semitism because there's a lot of Jews who also do not support APEC and what they're doing and how they are managing to um, basically hijack American foreign policy when it comes to the Middle East and support the Netanyahu government. So right now, with this com- this conflict is resolved, it is one of my main pillars of the campaign.
you, you, you mentioned anti an anti APAC stance. What, what is it about about APAC that that you find so distasteful or or something that you don't stand for? Well, APAC and all the other major lobbying, uh, you know, uh, organizations that basically buy the influence in Congress. You know, a lot of these House members and Senate members will not take a principled position because it might affect their relationship with APEC. And APEC's strategy is, you know, either you vote the way we want or we're going to find somebody that will. And all you have to do is look at the Cory Bush race down in St. Louis. You know, a guy similar to me and Hill was running for U.S. Senate to take on Josh Howley, and then all of a sudden he dropped out of the race, and he is going up against uh, Cory Bush. Now, what I want to see in the future is let's see where his campaign financing is going to come from and how much money he's going to raise and to see if APEC has their hands all over it. If it, if it happened to Hill Harper, it happened to you, these offers of, of $20 million to your campaign, do you think that somebody could could take the bait? you think somebody would bite on that chance? Do you, do you think that they're going to offer it again to somebody here in Michigan? Oh, I mean, they spent $5 million to support Adam Hollier in the 13th district. Um, they will spend the money it takes because they cannot afford to have somebody that you know, has a different point of view in the U.S. Congress that's, you know, maybe pro-Palestinian, pro-peace. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm sure somebody will, you know, but they have to find a credible candidate. Sure. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Nasser Badoon, thank you so much for your time. Uh, appreciate it and uh, appreciate the insight on what happened here. It's uh, particularly interesting. Thank you, Chris. That was uh, Senate candidate Nasser Badoon talking to Chris Runwick about how he turned down a $20 million offer to run against Rashida Tlaib for her Senate seat, um, along with Hill Harper. And, Renee, I, honestly, look, Nasser Badoon is a long shot for, for that seat. Hill Harper has a little more name recognition, but we need these type of people in politics who – whether they have a chance or not, they turn something down that could be highly beneficial to them. And then they tell on the people who are trying to uh, take the honesty out of politics. Yeah. Millions of dollars. I, I mean, trust me, I it, I would have to think about it for a second, but yes, honesty, the, that's, that's well, great. And, yeah. And the thing is too, I mean, if somebody's paying you $20 million to run now, that person owns you. Right. right. And, and, and now the, they're pretty much the shadow uh, congressperson right. until someone else comes along and says, here's $21 million to do this. When at the end of the day, this is all illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So someone could be going to jail. We'll see. Uh, St. Clair County Animal Controls reporting a rise in dogs of dying from parvovirus over the past two weeks. Now, this does not appear to be linked to the mystery uh, respiratory illness that's spreading elsewhere in the country. Um, but uh, the county is reminding pet owners to make sure that their dogs are up to date on their vaccines and to clean up after their dogs in public. And uh, I don't know, Renee, if I was living in Mac- uh, northern Macomb County, eastern Lapeer, southern Sanilac County, I'd keep an eye out on this as well. B- biggest fear is your dog suddenly getting sick and I passing know. away. You're, you feel so helpless when they're sick, especially something that's preventable and just uh, making sure that they're up to date on their vaccinations. Make sure you do it. It's first thing.